boom, boom. <laughs> yes. Is this the champagne prosecco link in our script? It is. No, actually, I did it wrong. But we're back. All right, Ashley, bring us in. All right. But also, yeah, I was gonna say, guys, this is this, like, guys, this is not as cool as we think it is. Also, I really I think it's to pretty shake cool. the champagne. <laughs> Yeah, I won't Sorry. <clears throat> Hello, and welcome to Jesuitical, a new podcast from the magically young, elegantly hip, and helplessly <laughs> lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Hey, everyone. And Olga Segura. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, Pretty good. I am great. Can you set the scene? Where are we? Our new studio. Woo! That's basically done. <laughs> basically. Almost. Kind of. Almost. <laughs> Not really. Still under construction, but yeah. definitely workable for, na- for now. Yeah. 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 And, and it's it, pretty it professional. I know. We've got like three huge screens behind us, brick We're walls. basically on the view. <laughs> actually, actually, if that's a perfect way to imagine us right now. We're at this like half round table um, mm-hmm. trying to stare at each other awkwardly, swiveling back and forth. Yeah. We, we'll, we'll be tweeting out pictures and... Yeah. All the things later. Yes, definitely. Uh, speaking of our new studio, what are we drinking this week, Zach? So to celebrate uh, a bit of a, a sort of a housewarming, yes. um, we've gotten some champagne. It's really Prosecco. Uh, but <laughs> we can call it champagne. Yeah, millennial champagne. <laughs> mil- Prosecco. Millennial champagne. Sue us, France. <laughs> All right. And so uh, we're just going to bring in the new studio with this. So Hot bottles. Okay. Hold, please. Going to try not to break everything. Easy. Careful. <laughs> Wow, that was perfect. Well done. All right, so I'm just going to give us some of that. Wow, Zach gave himself a really generous Wow, <laughs> okay. You, do, you see this, do you see this drop that he gave me? <laughs> Wish I could drink, but, you know. Uh, who are we talking to this week, Olga? So this week we're talking with Tommy Tai, who's a blogger, podcaster, and author of The Catholic Hipster. Um, so we'll be talking about what that means exactly and full disclosure for all of our Ashley yeah, fans out say, there who's this Tommy Ty guy <laughs> for you guys all going of, behind my back so for all of Ashley's fans you, you were actually not in this dream no. with us for this interview because you were doing like really cool hip things in Rome right yes I was that young hip play editor on the Rome pilgrimage mm. jealous <laughs> super <laughs> jealous um, and after we talked to Ty we've got our consolations and desolations the part of the show where we tell you where we did or didn't find God this week Excellent. But But. first, we have Signs of the Times, the part of our show where we sift through the Catholic news of the week so you do not have to. Um, First, the U.S. bishops were meeting in Baltimore this week for their annual meeting where they talk about they do elections for the heads of different committees. It's all very like insidery baseball stuff that we won't bore you with. But my favorite thing that came out of this conference was the USCCB's Twitter account Mm -hmm. uh, just recorded a video that is nine minutes long of bishops coming down the escalator. (laughs) It was just (laughs) kind of amazing to watch. But other more serious things happened yes, here, right? Yes. Like um, Bishop George Murray, uh, who heads the uh, U.S. Bishop's new ad hoc committee on racism, uh, gave a pretty impassioned speech about um, what the Catholic Church has done in the past and what it should be doing to confront racism now. He said um, racial hatred is often in hiding um, 
but for now or now after Charlottesville, it's on full display uh, in the United States, and that the committee he heads uh, is working to um, listen to the voices of the people who are suffering because of racism. And uh, Greg Erlinson from Catholic News Service reported that Bishop Murray said that he gets letters asking why he's so concerned about racism since most African Americans are not Catholic. Wow. That's crazy. That's wow. an insane, uh, insanely racist thing to write to a, a mm-hmm. bishop, but an, a uniquely audacious thing to write yeah, to a black absolutely. bishop. absolutely. Like, why would he not care about the experience of all black Americans in this country? Right. And so his response was, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ, which mm-hmm. is an apt one, I think. So speaking of people, of Catholics involved in speaking about civil rights, one of some, a nun who was very well known in the civil rights movement recently passed away this Saturday, Sister Mary Antona Ebo, who was considered by many to be a pioneer of the civil rights movement. She marched in Selma three days after Bloody Sunday, which was when protesters were attacked on the Pedicus Bridge. And she was a Franciscan nun for 71 years, and she was one of six uh, Catholic nuns who was actually marching in Selma and the only African American one. So there's this really, wow. pow- yeah. So there's this really powerful picture of her speaking uh, during mm-hmm. these protests, and um, and she's remained active. Like she's in St. Louis, which yeah. has been yeah. And she was quoted like for- she spoke after Ferguson, so she remained very involved up until her days. So a very inspirational person to look up to. I'm thinking we need to add a segment of the show where we just memorialize nuns yeah i <laughs> totally agree it's one of our favorite things it's true all right what's next Olga. so um pope francis has been kind of reprimanding catholics a bit lately um he wants us to stop bringing our phones to mass says that you should fully immerse yourself in the experience and actually take part in what the mass is actually about which you know it's not a show he says it's it's you go to Mass to encounter the passion, the resurrection of the Lord. Yeah. He has this great quote that the Mass says, lift up your hearts, not your mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cell phones. Yeah. Um, I will I've... never log off, Pope <laughs> Francis. <laughs> no, and I have to say, you mentioned before, I was in Rome and I got to go to one of the general audiences mm-hmm. uh, that the Pope Francis gives every Wednesday. Um, and, you know, it's very cool. Like the Pope drives right by you, but just like everyone has their phone right, up right. and is just looking at him through their phone. And so I like, I refused to take out my phone and just like <laughs> looked at him and then as soon as he drove by everyone was just like staring at their phones comparing right, the right. picture they took that it was all the exact same picture that they could find on Google and yeah. I was just like why not just be present and that's not even the mass that's just like seeing the Pope right. but like right. Yeah, but you know, I, when I studied abroad in Rome, in one of my more uh, pretentious phases in my life, I've one gone of, through several. Wow, um, <laughs> but I was sort of like Zach pretentious, <laughs> never. <laughs> but I was in this mood of not taking any photos because mm-hmm. I was really into this be present in the moment thing. So yeah. one of the byproducts is I have no photos of my time studying abroad. But Do also you regret that? a little. Okay. But secondly, <laughs> um, so that same experience where Pope Francis was driving by while everyone else had their phone up, I climbed up onto the fence, reached out my arm, and Pope Francis just gave me a high five nice. so better yet better than a photo is mm-hmm. that memory that i have no proof of right okay so what's next ashley uh yeah so he doesn't want you to have your phones mm-hmm. he also doesn't want you to ha- have cigarettes which you know um the vatican announced this week that it would no longer sell cigarettes um through it so i learned a lot reading this piece so the vatican <laughs> has like this whole like duty-free thing going on right. which a lot of people have see as maybe corrupt but it means they sell pretty cheap cigarettes Mm -hmm. um and they made approximately 11 million dollars in profit off these cigarettes every year that's like their second biggest source Mm -hmm. of revenue um and so (laughs) so actually i'm kind of getting the sense that you don't agree with well okay i mean 
Yeah. Catholics are supposed to be the fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> so this is tarnishing our fun image of yeah. Catholics. Because the same article also said that the Vatican has the highest per capita consumption or sale of wine. And so like... It's all being used for mass. <laughs> oh, sure. they're so holy. God. <laughs> no. So Pope Francis obviously is doing this for good reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, he says... He has one lung. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he lost half a lung. Um, he has one but, and a half lungs. <laughs> oh, but the Holy See, he said, the Holy See cannot contribute to an activity that clearly damages the health of people. And like, that's kind know, of positive. Like, I can get behind my that. My libertarian streak is like, you know, former popes have smoked. Benedict smoked. Many saints have smoked. I think we can let people <laughs> who make their our, own decision who cares about if our that. Prophets are soaked in the blood of the people who've died from smoking. <laughs> they chose to smoke. Oh, I, you know, we're we're drinking right now. A lot of people have died from drinking. He's not banning smoking everywhere. <laughs> right. Actually. He's just. It's just at the Vatican, right? He's not banning smoking. He's banning the sale of cigarettes. That's true. Okay, yeah, good point. Good point. Got it. Okay. So that would be pretty prohibitive if you can't even buy them. But <laughs> whatever. I'm not at the Vatican and I don't smoke, so I don't really know why I care so much. <laughs> okay. What's our next story? So the world's first Catholic Jewish school campus is opening up in Sc- or opened up in Scotland last week. So there will be two schools, well three. It's a Catholic school, a Jewish school, and then a non-denominational nursery. And the officials of both schools are kind of hoping that this will be like a great opportunity for students from both sides to learn more about each other and engage in interreligious dialogue at a very young age. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and it just sort of makes sense too to ha- like if they're sharing a campus mm-hmm. to kind of be together. Exactly. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea of like putting people in a space where they're going to have an encounter but like not trying to like get rid of the differences. Like mm-hmm. they no one's going to have to like give up their faith Agreed. to like be in yeah. this like yeah. interfaith community. It's like they they can be distinctly Catholic, mm-hmm. distinctly Jewish but still be like interacting in a in a positive way. So and, and they're in their kids. And this is the yeah. be- that's like one of the best times mm-hmm. to do it, right? Yeah. Very cool. What's next, Olga? So next year's Met Gala um, is going to be Catholic themed. Now, for those of our listeners who might not know what the Met Gala is, it's an annual fundraising event where uh, celebrities show up in dress as a specific theme, um, and it's to raise money uh, for the Metropolitan uh, Costume Institute. And next year's is going to be Catholic themed. Now, a lot of people are wondering what could possibly go wrong when you have celebrities like the Kardashians trying to interpret what it means to be Catholic themed. Um, now. You're really excited about this, though. Yeah, yeah. So, for first, reasons to be excited about okay. this. Tell me why I should be pumped for Nicki Minaj hitting the red carpet Catholic-themed. Well, it's not even for Nicki Minaj. It's that it's going to be hosted by three women, uh, Donatello Versace, Amala Clooney, and Rihanna, who's fantastic. Like and Versace, Versace? Like Versace, Versace. Was um, Rihanna raised Catholic? I don't think so. Hmm. But if she was, Riri. <laughs> Get some intel on that. The Met has started off on a right on a kind of nice foot. So the costumes that will be displayed during this exhibition, they've met with consultants to make sure that those anything that's being shown there is not offensive. Is it going to be like Pope Benedict's red shoes and that sort of stuff? I like, hope so. One, yeah, because he's super. He's he, pretty much a fashion icon. <laughs> yeah, right. mu- much more so than Pope Francis. In Wasn't Pope opinion. Francis named best dress yeah, by GQ? GQ and like, yeah, 2015 or something. Yeah, but that was the honeymoon period. Now yeah. people are like, boring, all white, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Where's all the red that Benedict started? Um, what would you guys wear to this? Good question. Hmm. I would definitely go with a tonsure, which is the hairstyle that monks had in the middle ages where they just oh, shaved a yeah, halo yeah, yeah. 
of hair. My brother was that like for fifth grade and I still remember it. It was such a great <laughs> Yeah. So honestly, if they're not doing that, then, then. are they trying? <laughs> um, speaking of secular interest in Catholic themes, Zach, what's our next story? So one of the most popular movies in America right now is a movie about a girl growing up in who goes to Catholic school, mm-hmm. Lady Bird, which it did not beat Thor at the box office, but you know, I, I think what can right but it did way better than it was expected to mm-hmm. do the new york times called it a perfect movie it's one of the first uh depictions of catholic school that she says she's seen mm-hmm. um in film or tv shows that is sort of i don't know if it's positive but it's not just like true to regular mm-hmm. life not like a sensationalized like oh nuns I mean, I'm sure abuse did happen, but like most depictions you see in movies are either of abuse mm-hmm. or like oppressive like cultures where people feel like they can't be themselves because they're at mm-hmm. a school like this. So Right. Olga, okay. and you went to Catholic school, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think I was going to jump on what you said, Zach. Like there's this, I haven't, full disclosure, I haven't seen the movie yet, but one of the th- things that I've been seeing is for even people who have not seen the movie, we it's just created this sense of like nostalgia and just wanting to return to be like, oh, I remember how I used to roll up my skirt or here were all these hymns that I used to listen to or like here are 30 signs that you went to an all girl all girls Catholic high school. So it's been really nice because it is very much it very much feels just from the conversations I've had like a movie that stays very true to the experience I had in high school, which was one where like, you know, you volunteered, you played sports, you had friends, you had nuns that were cool, you had people who were strict, but it was never it was just a very positive experience and it feels nice to kind of see this people talking about something like this. So listeners, did you go to Catholic school? Or did you know people who went to Catholic school? What were your experiences in Catholic school? What were your impressions of people who went to Catholic school? Write us, let us know, jesuitical at americamedia.org. So, do you have a do you have a beer right now? I have Sierra Nevada. Yes. Yeah, oh my Nevada, god, that's a, that's what we have. We have the Oktoberfest. No, yeah, it is. Oh, cool. Awesome. And I will let Olga start the show. Okay. Today we're talking with Tommy Tai, author of The Catholic Hipster Handbook. Welcome to Jesuitical, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me. What a sweet honor to be uh, sharing a drink with strangers in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week. <laughs> you know, it, like giving people an excuse to drink in the middle of the day, I mm-hmm. feel like I'm living my best life. So th- <laughs> thank you. <laughs> this is the best version of yourself, most definitely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Tommy, can you tell us a little bit about what you do and about the Catholic Hipster Handbook? Yeah, of course. So uh, what I do, I guess I'm like a husband and a father. So that's um, probably the first thing I would say. Um, my kid, wife and I have Your wife and kids, kids, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have to. Yeah, nod nod to them, of course. <laughs> um, we have uh, four sons, and we live out here in the California Bay Area. And um, this book was started as a joke on Twitter. I just made a joke that it would be funny if we wrote a book about uh, Catholics being hipsters. And the next thing I knew, it was um, I was sent the email address of a publisher, mm-hmm. and away we go. I, I have no idea why I'm here, but you know, blessed be God forever, I guess. So what you're telling me is that if I hold out hope, eventually one of my (laughs) tweets will get me a book deal? You know, Olga, the saddest thing is that like a lot of people have reached out to me and said like, can you tell us like the process in like how you get into the writing world? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I feel so guilty because honestly it was like, (laughs) it was a tweet. It was one tweet. So what, so what's in the book? 
Oh, sure. So the book uh, has a bunch of different sections, small chapters that you can like uh, easily read with our short attention span we have these days. Uh, we're covering uh, all kinds of topics that are like, um, what are cool things about being Catholic and how it does our Catholic faith and teaching kind of relate to things that we uh, find cool nowadays, like finding craft breweries, um, like going to the farmer's market and kind mm -hmm. of eating local. Uh, and also mixing in like going to adoration, going to confession, uh, where do we find Mary in the Bible? Just sort of like looking at all these different aspects about uh, how being Catholic is actually really cool, kids. Mm -hmm. So be Catholic. And one of the things I appreciate about the book is it's uh, it's the format you, that you talk about is, as you say, very digestible. But it's also got uh, some like activities involved mm -hmm. in there, too. So you've got this essay, uh, Forgotten Saint or Forgotten Prayer and uh, Saint and then an activity at the end, right? So who who uh, do you think is going to benefit from that format? Yeah, you know, I think it's great because um, I think we, oftentimes when I'm reading and, and engaging in Catholic media, I'm really like wanting something practical. So that's what we try to do with the activities because so much of what I read in the Catholic world is like really great ideas mm -hmm. that I really want to like grab by the horns. But then I'm like, how do I do this though? Like what's like the do part? Um, and so that's what we tried to do. So I think like uh, people who are maybe like uh, just going to mass every Sunday and uh, not super engaged in their faith, um, like I was at a time, uh, uh, people who are kind of maybe drifting away from the faith because they don't feel like it connects to like their current life. I think it's a great way for them to um, see the beauty and richness that we have mm -hmm. and also to do something like go visit a Marian shrine. They're everywhere, right? It's something very practical that we can do. Um, even one of the activities is just follow people on Twitter. So this is a very like, <laughs> we set a low bar. <laughs> so Tommy, do you call yourself, I, you probably get this question a lot, but do you call yourself a hipster or are you just a hipster in the Catholic world? Yeah, only to people who don't meet me in real life, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing everyone, whoever meets me, they're like, you're not a hipster in any way. No. Um, so yeah, like the Catholic hipster thing sort of like uh, took off. I made a poll on like a really cheesy blog that I started a couple years ago to kind of like crown the Catholic hipster of the year, just mm -hmm. to say like, who's the coolest Catholic doing cool things? Um, and that's sort of where it took off. I'm indeed uh, not a hipster. I mean, I have like thick glasses and I do, you know, enjoy a good craft beer from time to time, but oh, so I, I don't wear skinny there. jeans. I'm almost there. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and, and most importantly, you're not, you're saying that you're not Exactly. One. I think you checked off all the it. three things, Thank Tommy. Thank you guys. I can now have the, you guys have like a Jesuitical imprimatur that I can like carry around or something like that to show people. We've, we're actually a stamps on order right now. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll let you know when that comes. <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean, the basic idea is like, you know, the hipster culture currently is sort of like being countercultural, like going to a butcher instead of going to, you know, your local grocery store for meat and how mm -hmm. great that is to do things the hard way. And Catholics do things the hard way better than anybody else. So uh, I'd say we're the ultimate hipsters. Yeah, we do some hard things, definitely. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, so part of being a hipster is going against the grain. This is something we've talked about mm -hmm. uh, on the show a few times. Is like, on the one hand, being Catholic in some circles is going against the grain. But for a lot of people, uh, you know, the way you put, put it in your own life, it was just sort of like going every Sunday, just going through the motions. And it doesn't feel that like rebellious or against the grain at all. Yeah, that's definitely true. It kind of feels like, well, this is what my parents did. And so this is just what I do. And it's totally normal. And I went to youth group and have friends who do it. So it's really uh, easy. I think at some point uh, for me, 
it's like we really have to take a look at embracing like what the church teaches. And I think in our current culture, it's really, really radical because the church is not right. It's not left. Um, you know, and so that's something that's very different to our culture right now. Everybody's like, are you conservative or are you liberal? Like pick a side. And when you're Catholic, it's like you have this really cool uh, opportunity to dabble yourself in in all these different areas that other people are like so black and white in. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very radical thing to be like, um, you know, like, yeah, I, I follow the church's teaching against abortion, but I really think that we need to do more for social justice. Right. And it's like, people are like, wait, what? Like that doesn't even make sense. And so it's a really, um, being Catholic is like super radical to embrace the catechism and the sermon of the Mount. That's a pretty radical stance to take. And so that's, uh, that's where I would say I stand on it. It's true. Jesus was a rad dude. (laughs) I I don't know. Is that that what the hipsters say? (laughs) Although if you're ever on Twitter, don't say he was a radical because I did that one time and boy, people were pretty upset. Really? <laughs> why? Well, I mean, I know why, but you know. What... Say, say more. Did, yeah. you, did you stand by it at the end of the day or? Yeah, heck yeah, I did. I mean, my gosh, like, you know, just think of him speaking to the woman at the well and like all of these things that he did that like, think about appearing to Mary Magdalene first, right? That's radical. And like his call to like the, the way that he would like call people to act and behave in all of us today is super radical. So I thought, boy, this seems like pretty uh, not very like hot take. I would think everybody would agree with this. But I think people have taken that term and been like, oh, you know, it means like you're trying to pin Jesus into some like leftist communist, you know, cause or whatever, as opposed to just being radical uh, in the moment. And even today, 2000 years ago, he was on earth. He's still radical today. Mm-hmm. We need to get our act together. Amen. Uh, so one of the things I think about hipster hi- hipsterdom um, is that it's sort of like this exclusive thing, right? Y- y- you have to find part of the appeal is doing something that other people aren't. Whereas Catholicism, it's meant to be pretty inclusive. And I think one of the the things that I see troubling with like hipsterdom influencing the church is like when someone has their niche and they think it's better than or their or their devotion or their way of being and like sort of hold it over other people. Mm-hmm. Um, Boy, yeah. do you know what I mean? Do, 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 do oh, you find totally. that super? Cause I find that, I think people find that off putting about hipsters in general, right? Like, yeah. but especially like they also find that off putting about Catholics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find that like, um, pretty disconcerting. So, um, people might, uh, see that like I would, uh, share something or, you know, write an article or talk about something very faithful to church teaching. And then people will be like super upset with me. If I say, I also really like going to mass in the vernacular, you know, with the priest facing us and people are like, what? Oh my gosh. Like, how dare you? Um, so yes, we have this, like this, this encroaching kind of danger of people saying, like my way of worship and my way of spirituality within the Catholic church is like the right way to do it. And it's superior to what yours is. So I can see that, um, that concern and it pops up all the time and it's troubling. But I mean, really like, I think that that's, uh, us superimposing our thing on the, on Catholicism where Catholicism is a lot more like, here's this gigantic treasure chest of spirituality, like find what fits for you and kind of take that in your walk with God. So, um, yeah, that's a prayer I have that people will, uh, coexist between the novus ordo and the traditional latin mass mm, that uh, is between people who say the rosary and people who don't i mean some people don't click with the rosary and like they need to be told that they're that's okay right that's totally fine there's so many other devotions and spiritualities that might talk to you uh, and they shouldn't be like lambasted for it yeah i think one of the w- worst things or maybe not worse but just most counterproductive things we do as a church is like spend so much effort trying to get someone to do the thing when mm-hmm. there's so many things 
Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like there's homeless people in my town here in the Bay Area and we're complaining about how there was art altar rails put into our parish. Right. It's like, come on, can we get out there and like help <laughs> these people instead of arguing with each other about this? No, absolutely. Um, another <laughs> if you're like, no, no, we can't. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, yeah. No, no. Just only complain about other church things to other church people. Uh, one of the endearing qualities I think hipsters have is is like the the pursuit for the authentic. Uh, do you think that hipsters can find that in the church? Um, because a lot of people, um, who are our age, uh, in, in us ourselves struggle a lot to get past some of the church's like very public shortcomings in being authentic. Yeah. Wow. Most definitely. Uh, whenever somebody asks me like, what's the key to evangelizing? I always say be authentic. Uh, my wife and I, we lost our son last year. Uh, he lived for like an hour after he was born. Oh, man. And oh, one man. of the things that um, a lot of people tried to push was this thing of like, well, you, you have to like share about how uh, people want you to share about how you still have joy and you still have hope and you still are, are happy and you should go on smiling when you're suffering. And that was really not my uh my, my experience or my, my take that I was like throwing out there for people when we were sharing mm-hmm. our experience. Um, mine was more like, I feel hopeless. I'm super angry at God and I'm miserable, but I'm still, I still know I need to pray and I'm still trying to like push forward. And so I think that that authenticity is super important too. Uh, people can walk around with like a fake smile and say, I'm just so happy no matter what happens because of Jesus. For me personally, that doesn't speak to me as well as saying, my life is really tough and miserable, but I'm going to keep pushing on because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tommy, I think that's really fascinating because I think for me as a Catholic, the authenticity that I've found in my 20s is really what's pulled me back into the faith. Like when I was in college, I was surrounded by people who are like, well, you got to go to mass. This is how you have to do it. Then in my later 20s, like working here at America, just kind of being like, wait, the same kind of doubt that you feel, all of these awful emotions that you feel, other Catholics feel it too. And that's okay because it, that is a way of being an authentic Christian and that's part of it, you know? Yeah. And it's totally just like a way of being too. Cause yeah. like, and, and you don't really know it until you see it mm-hmm. in another person. There's, it's hard to just like hit someone over the head with it. Right. Yeah, most definitely no two by fours. But I think, you know, we have to um, we have to awaken ourselves a little bit to the reality of like what happened to Jesus, what happened to Mary, like the mother of God when Jesus was here on earth. And we have to see that as like, this is the Christian way of life, right? I'm sure that Mary wasn't like hugging the foot of the cross with a big smile across her face because she loved Jesus. Mm -hmm. She was there because she loved Jesus and was like suffering but she kept going. She stayed. And so I think that's kind of like the message that resonates with people rather than just this like, oh, Christianity makes me so happy. Right. Which in the end, hopefully it will. (laughs) This is going great. (laughs) Yeah. So on on that note, Tommy, (laughs) one of the constant themes in this book is this whole concept of rediscovering Catholic culture and kind of rediscovering things that are very familiar to us. Um, And I thought you're chapter on how you know the rosary had been a part of your life since you could remember but after the loss of your mother you went through you went through this phase where it became like this thing that you went through for prayer and like the consolation that it offered you um so do you sense do you think there's sort of this sense of longing for catholic culture and this need to kind of rediscover what catholic culture is yeah, you know, every time i see some new article coming out of like Huffington Post or something about what 
people are trying and what they're searching for in our culture. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we've been doing that forever in the Catholic church. Like <laughs> you guys are just wanting to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think like we have this answer for what people are longing for. And it might not be like the traditional thing that people are, um, you know, thinking that they're looking for, but it's like, you know, meditative prayer. We have this amazing thing, like self-reflection, like um, being present in the moment, like all these traditions to me, I see people striving for them. And I'm like, ah, like we have that. We're, we're over here. Like we should be like waving our flags, like welcoming people to rediscover Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Do you think, we have a lot of work to do <laughs> a lot of work. Do you think part of it is that we've stopped doing a lot of these things? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I think it's really easy not to do all this stuff. Um, you know, we're super busy. I, I know it's like I have to use my commute to be able to like spend time praying because otherwise I don't know when I would do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we really have to kind of like find these times to set aside. And it's so difficult in our culture today. It's like, you know, I should have been praying today, but instead I was like tweeting at you guys on Twitter, um, I should, which was also fun, but I could have been <laughs> using that time to pray. Um, and I think like, uh, that's a great, a great, uh, witness to be able to take the time to step outside and, and show people what we have to offer. And I think, I think part of it is like this sort of decline in, in parish life. And, you know, a lot of these, when the parish was like your social setting and every, it was where everything happened, it's where you had your friends, it's where your life revolved around, you know, all of these devotions and practices sort of just embedded yourself, embedded themselves into your, your daily life. I, how do you think we sort of reclaim some of these things where, um, when that's not the case anymore. I, I would love to see like an awakening of like, how can families like get involved during times when families are all awake and at it to like kind of give back. Um, I, I think for me, it's like what we need to do is in parishes is like have this like radical call to like helping others. Um, some parishes are obviously better at it than others, but I think like being able to give people opportunities to get involved, um, to stretch themselves a little bit, to give of themselves and doing it at times when people are available and feel able to do it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, I think that's a big deal, right? It's like, when I'm like, I'd like to help the poor. So I like go onto a parish website and it's like, okay, great. Like we have a food pantry on Tuesdays at 11 a.m. on right. the first Tuesday of every month. And I'm like, ah, I can't do that. It's easier to go so to the bank. Like, right, exactly. Right. And that's like, I've, I've really thought about that with my kids. Like I, you know, don't want to like write a check and be like, here, kids, like, this is how you answer Jesus's call to help others. It's like, I want to <laughs> put them in the minivan and like drive to Catholic worker in Oakland and be like, look at how people are living and look mm-hmm. how bad they need us. You know what I mean? Need us to like give back. Um, so opportunities like that to get our kids involved in. It's like, I mean, when we, we took our kids to like uh, hand out Christmas gifts uh, at this Catholic worker thing and it was like, we weren't doing anything, right? We were just handing out Christmas gifts to people. That's not that great uh, of a thing to do because we didn't get the gifts for them, right? We were just like giving them out. So I'm not trying to be special or something. But to be able to hear my kids talk on the way back from doing that, Um, that experience for them was like so profound Mm -hmm. to see that some kid would come and have like this one tiny gift that was given to them by my kids. And then to have the, the kid just be like so grateful that really had like a huge impact on them. So more things like that would be fantastic. Um, faith formation is great for my kids to go to once a week, but being able to do something like that kind of really, uh, to me kind of shows what Jesus asks us to be. Yeah. In retrospect, maybe that's more impactful than giving them a dollar to put in the collection basket. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. So Tommy. I think so, but I will say I don't give them a dollar to put in the collection basket and they really hate that. <laughs> <laughs> so Tommy, one final question for you. If you could canonize anyone living or dead, Catholic or non-Catholic, who would it be? 
and why? Oh, gosh. I mean, okay, obviously the two that come to mind are Dorothy Day and Oscar Romero. I was so excited, and I blame Father James Martin for my excitement because his tweets about the Oscar Romero, like, canonization news that ended up being fake. Oh, it I made know. me so excited <laughs> when yeah. I saw about that. Um, what a letdown. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but it would definitely be uh, one of those two. Let's go with Dorothy Day. Uh, I, I say we go with her. Oscar Romero's going to get there, that's for sure. So I'll, I'll go with Dorothy Day because... Uh, her story, her example, um, man, like reading uh, The Long Loneliness for me was just like a life changing event because I really saw somebody who was a sinner like me who kind of like worked their way through things and kind of got what Jesus was asking us to do and then did it. It's like <laughs> a lot of us can get to that point where we're like, yeah, like, man, that Sermon of the Mount really is telling us to go do something pretty intense. But then she just like went and did it. And it's just um, mind blowing. And so I would love to be able to hear her name uh, chanted off in the Litany of Saints at Mass on All Saints Day. Amen. Great. All right. Well, Tommy, thanks so much yeah, for joining us. Thank you. And your book is The Catholic Hipster Handbook, which our listeners can buy wherever books are sold. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It was such a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks, Tommy. All right, now it's time for listener feedback. We got a wonderful email from Zach Gear. Gear, does that sound right? That does sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he sent us a consolation. He said, my consolation for the week was my mom, girlfriend, and I volunteering at our parish's fall festival, serving food, and then having my dad and her immediate family join us for dinner afterward. It was just a wonderful, loving group, and to see our two families coming together... I really felt his presence with us. So Aww. that's good. Blended. Thank you, Zach. With an H, not our Zach. <laughs> and we, again, love to hear if you have consolations mm-hmm. or desolations from the week and you're doing some own reflection on your own life, write us. Tell, let us know. Yeah, because as we've said before, it's hard to come up with mm-hmm. So we need some inspiration so there, from you yeah, guys. There's a communi- <laughs> and if there's a community of people doing it, right? Yeah, it mm-hmm. makes it a little helps. bit easier. Speaking of which, time for Consolations and Desolations, the part of our show where we talk about where we found God this week and where it was harder to find God. What do you have, Zach? So I've got a desolation this week as, you know, the holidays are coming up, which are bring up a lot of things in a lot of people. Um, but for me, I tend to get really stressed out about this time of year, um, mostly just trying to manage, you know, going home and making sure that you see all the people you're supposed to, all the families you're supposed to, all the friends you're supposed to um, can be really stressful. And I think the desolation for me is I have an expectation that those times are meant to be times of communion with other people, relaxation, um, and football, football, (laughs) sport related (laughs) content. Um, And right now all I have is anxiety about what's going to come and who I'm going to disappoint, whether that's myself or a friend or a family member. Um, And so that is my desolation this week. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Olga? Um, I've also got a desolation this week. Um, so this past weekend, it was my parents' birthday, and my mom's my mom's birthday is November 11th. My dad's is November 12th. So we always do like a joint thing. It makes it easier for their kids to plan stuff. Um, and, and it's usually a really positive, fun time. Um, and this year they were just kind of, I guess, because they're getting older and they've they've been here for almost 30 years. They really got into kind of recapping all these various traumas that they experienced back in the Dominican Republic, and then also talking about how immigrating here was very hard for them and is still hard for them 25 plus years later. Um, and just kind of seeing that 
seeing them struggle with that and then me being so unable to help them in that moment just made me really angry and just wondering like how can God allow certain things to happen to people to the people that you love and it's just been I've been struggling with this all week and I haven't found any kind of consolation because I can't I don't understand how to deal with the people that I love being hurt you know so it's been very desolating and it's very much been pulling me away from God this week so Mm. Ashley Oh, well, I also have a desolation, but I'll try to like twist it into a consolation at the end <laughs> so we can end on a higher note. It's not about that. It's yeah, not about no, no. Okay. We don't have to always be happy. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. So as I've mentioned before, I recently moved, I moved a month and a half ago, but last weekend was the first time I wasn't traveling on a weekend and I was just at my apartment. Um, and I... You talked about expectations. I had this expectation that I was going to really like just like having one single roommate who's not always there. I would have the place to myself. Um, But instead, I just kind of felt very lonely. I'm like naturally an introvert, so I'm not one to make plans. And so then like after like 24 hours of like not seeing anyone, I was starting to feel very lonely. And my like instead of like you know, inhabiting that solitude, using it for prayer. Like my, my instinct is to just try to distract myself and read things and watch things. And so like, just kind of like get away from the present moment moment instead of like seeing what it's trying to tell me Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, or seeing God in that solitude. um, I just kind of like run away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was desolating. Um, but I know I don't have to bring a consolation into it, but I was so like, <laughs> I went to my regular 6 p.m. mass and this time I actually did go to like the young adult, like mm-hmm. wine and cheese hour. Cause I was nice. just like, <laughs> I need to see people. <laughs> and, and it was good. And it was a good reminder that I could, you know, just always do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. So yeah. Should we uh, get out of here? Let's yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Jesuitical is brought to you by American Media and produced by Eloise Blondio. Our editor is Noah Levinson. Jesuit formation provided by Eric Sundrup, SJ. Engineering by Angelo Jesus Conta. Adverbs provided by Annika and Andre Conta. Are those your siblings? Oh my gosh, that's so great. <laughs> Our logo is by Sean Trivoli. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show and please subscribe to us on iTunes where we topped the top 20 chart this week. Yes, thank you guys for getting us there, by the way. In religion, it's good <laughs> um, So yes, subscribe, and then please leave us a review so that we can stay in the top 20. That would be great. Shout out to... All right, you guys ready? Yep. Ready. Olet. Sam Pence. Poker Maniac Zors. Lighter Mike. Musica Chica 877. Riley Kate. Kate Becker. Jay Kennedy Darn. Kennedy RN. Kennedy RN, yeah. I think they're a nurse. <laughs> ND Opus. Sonatina26. Andrew Grobel. M. Warner. M.S. Britzi. Eric Denby. And Bam Filet. <laughs> and uh, apologies if we butchered your yeah, iTunes sorry name. <laughs> I am sorry. And right. finally, send us your questions, feedback, cocktail recipes, and tell us where you found God this week at Jesuitical at AmericaMedia.org. For American Media, I'm Ashley McKinless. For Zach Davis and Olga Segura, we'll see you next week.